as I would receive the Eucharist. I, don't, I can't even, there's not really words to explain how it makes, I mean, even still now, I feel like I'm filled with so much more joy when I go to Mass, um, but there's just no way to explain. It's restorative, like that's, it's restorative. That's the only word I can really keep coming up with. Welcome to the I Am Here podcast, a space to be inspired by stories of men and women who have found in the Eucharist the strength and purpose for their lives. I'm your co-host, Leah Butalid, and I've been gathering stories for IamHere.org. And I'm Father Mario Amore, a priest of the Archdiocese of Detroit, and today we welcome our guest, Serenity Cannell, to share her story. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. We're so glad to have you here. You've got a beautiful story, and we're excited to to dive deeper. Um, so just to get to know you a little more, what's your home parish here in Detroit? Uh, we attend St. Margaret of Scotland in St. Clair Shores. And Serenity, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, so I am a wife and a mother, um, and I work with an infertility ministry, um, just trying to help couples that are carrying the cross of infertility. Beautiful. Awesome. And how long have you been married? Uh, five years. Wonderful. Wonderful. And I know that uh, your your marriage and, and the beautiful vocation of motherhood is a huge part of your story. And um, I'm excited to peel back the layers there. Um, can you share when when you first got married, what were you and your husband dreaming of and praying for? What was that stage of life like for you two? We really wanted children right away. Like mm-hmm. it was something that we just expected to have, you know, so many children and a home. I, I always looked towards the future. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the best we got ad- advice that we got in marriage prep was when you're planning for your future or when you have to do that now. So if you want to look in the future and see a table full of grandchildren, you have to have the children now. You have to do those Mm -hmm. things to have the future that you hope for. Um, And so that was always a dream of ours to have a big family and one day have hopefully, you know, God willing, a bunch of grandchildren. Um, And as time went on, we realized that that wasn't gonna be the case for us. Mm. It's so beautiful to think about um, just in your own heart and in your heart of your husband you know, as you were moving into marriage, you had that desire to um, just just to share life and to share love and to share faith uh, with with a large family. And um, uh, those those desires are um, not always at the forefront of those who are entering into marriage. Not all, always at the front of, of their minds or or in their hearts. And so, uh, it's it's just a beautiful way to think about how the Lord was just moving as part of your own vocation. Um, and drawing you into that that place of just to know that that's how the Lord wanted to to use you, and that's how the Lord wanted to just make His love and His presence known through the gift of you and your husband. So, thank you for being open to that, uh, and and for for listening to the Lord and His call in your life. So you you mentioned you learned that this wasn't going to be the case for you, that this dream wasn't going to play out the way you'd expected. Um, what was that season like for you? So. After we got married and, you know, time went on, um, about a year into marriage, we still weren't pregnant. And um, I started seeing different doctors and we received our first diagnosis about a year and a half, two years in of just unexplained infertility. Mm-hmm. Everything, every test came back fine. There was no reason we weren't getting pregnant. Um, and so we just were left without answers. And so we continued to see different doctors and three years went by. Um, and in May of 2021, I saw our sixth fertility doctor. She said, "We, I have no other answer for you. Like just unexplained infertility, your only option will be IVF. And that obviously like 
she knew that that was not something that we ever would consider. Um, and I'll never forget like getting off the phone with her and the last thing that she had given me was she was like, well, write this down. And it was an inf- like an IVF clinic number. Um, and I got off the phone and I just bawled because that pretty much at that point we were told like, okay, this is gonna be it. Um, and I remember having a conversation with my mom a few days after that where we were, Andrew and I, my husband's name is Andrew. Um, we really started looking at what our life would be like childless. Like we weren't sure if adoption was really something that we were called to. Um, and so we really just started looking at what life would look like childless. And then we found out the next month that I was pregnant, mm. no medication, no, like nothing. Um, wow. And so, yeah, now I have a little nine month old baby. His name is Zachariah. Um, and it's just been, it's been a world run. And every, every day we look at him and we still can't believe that he's our son. Um, and I don't know if like, if we would have gotten pregnant right out of marriage, if we, I'm sure we would still have loved him the same, and, but like we appreciate him mm-hmm. so much. And we just appreciate like th- th- this gift that has been given to us every time we look at him. What was your faith life like before going through this period of, of struggle? Um, from what you said about, you know, y- your husband as you prepared for marriage, um, uh, it seems like faith has been an important part of your life for all of your life? Is that true or? No, so I converted to Catholicism in April of 2017 actually. Um, Prior to that, when I was nannying, so 2015, I worked with this little boy, Um, their family was Catholic, and I I had to teach him how to pray the rosary. (laughs) Um, It was part of one of the things that his mom had asked me to do, um, is to help him. He had like these sheets and so it came home and I started praying the rosary with him and something really, started moving inside of me then. And there was like, I don't know, his name was Rocco. I I still like, I love this family so much, but um, there was just something so profound in watching somebody so little have so much love for his faith. Um, And so I was helping him with that and it really just continued like on my heart. I started looking into Catholicism more and then I met my husband and I didn't even realize that he was Catholic. Um, And so we started dating and I started going to church with him, and then I reached out to the faith formation director at the parish and started RCIA, and followed that following Easter, I came into the church. Yeah, I actually have struggled with faith up until like 2015. I really struggled with my view of faith, um, and it's just been amazing the way that God really has worked in my life from meeting my husband and to, to marriage to carrying the cross of infertility and then even like my labor and now motherhood because it's not always super easy but I find that like even just on the hardest day of days we'll put music on or worship music or it's not often I actually get to pull my bible out right now and read because the baby grabs at everything (laughs) but um I've always just found that even if I just flip to a random page something really speaks to me in my bible and I feel like that's just the holy spirit truly trying to work in my life and it's (laughs) yeah how about in that moment of, or in, in those moments, I'm sure there's a lot of despair, discouragement in those places of, you know, just, just wondering where, where the Lord was in this cross of infertility. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I always refer to it as the depths of infertility and the sorrow that was there. Um, and it's a lot of feeling like you're being forgotten. It's a lot of feeling like um, God's promises aren't for you. It's really easy to be deceived when you see other people getting to live and experience the gift of motherhood or parenthood or 
however you want to refer to it, and you're not being given that. Um, and then you also have to remember that, yes, children are blessings, and God's blessings are given out freely, and maybe they look different for me than they do you. And even now working um, still with the Fruitful Hollow, it's hard because I don't understand. I, I always say, too, I don't understand God's timing anymore now than I ever did when I was in the depths of infertility. The grief is something that comes month after month for couples that are struggling to get pregnant. And it's just one of those things. It's a constant reminder. And it's not, I think we forget that infertility is a medical diagnosis too. And, but it's a medical diagnosis that month after month kind of stabs you over and over again. And it will affect you if you don't ever have a child or you don't adopt, it will affect you for the rest of your life in every aspect. Like the holidays are extremely hard for, you know, couples carrying the cross of infertility. Um, because it's, and children are just always present and you want them to be present, like they're little lights, but for someone that has so much sorrow inside of them because that is all they want, seeing children everywhere, seeing children in mass, seeing children, you know, visiting, you know, other family members, it's so hard. Um, and so for me, that was one of the things that I found so restorative in the Eucharist is before we got pregnant, I would go to mass and would cry like I spent so much time in mass crying without even meaning to like it was almost I would we would go in we would sit down and as mass started I would start crying it could kind of come on from seeing a pregnant woman or seeing someone with a baby or just other children um and I would just no matter what I would do it would not stop and the grief like that the real the big word is just grief infertility is grief over and over again getting through mass for me too for a long time not a long time but there were many times where I would sit down and I was ready to go mm -hmm. especially if I had someone in front of me with a baby or if you know there was someone sitting there pregnant I wanted to go and I knew once I received the Eucharist that meant mass was almost over <laughs> like as sad as that is to say I knew mass was almost over but then as I would receive the Eucharist I don't I can't even there's not really words to explain how it makes I mean even still now I feel like I'm filled with so much more joy when I go to Mass. Um, but there's just no way to explain. It's restorative. Like, that's, it's restorative. That's the only word I can really keep coming up with is, and even if I don't feel worthy or, because that's the thing too. And as a priest, I'm sure you deal with a lot of people talking about like envy and jealousy and things like that. I'm not proud to say that I was envious of other women or jealous of them, but that was, it was, that was the hardest thing. Um, to experience um, over and over again. So you endured this this time of great suffering and grief, um, like you said, month after month, and um, you know, counted on the Eucharist to be your source of restoration. Um, what was it like kind of at the moment you discovered this um, miraculous news, you know, after you know, week after week, struggling through mass, but counting on Jesus in the Eucharist. Um, what was what was it like to make that discovery that you had conceived? So when I we found out, um, it was we were getting ready for church, and the song came on, um, "Amazing Grace" came on, and I looked down at the pregnancy test, and then I grabbed my husband, um, and I had recorded because I had this like supernatural hope that we would get pregnant one day. And in the video, you hear my husband looking at it and he's just saying, no, 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 like in complete disbelief. And he walks out of the bathroom and starts sobbing. Like you can hear that all in the video. Um, 
so then we went to mass like this. We went to mass and um, we ended up going to an outside service at um, St. Isaac Joe's also in St. Clair Shores. And we just so happened to be there when the priest was giving a homily on supernatural hope. Wow. And I actually have that recorded on my phone because I, I did a voice recording of it because it was just so amazing to me. I followed a couple prior to us like dealing with infertility or as we were going through infertility who had a 1% chance of conceiving and now they have three children. And so on my Instagram, I have done multiple videos of talking about having this supernatural hope. So she found out on the Feast of the Visitation mm. um, and her name is actually Hannah. She found out on the Feast <laughs> of the Visitation that um, her that she was pregnant. And so I, her story is something that has always given me hope. And I have just talked about having supernatural hope in God's promises to you. Um, and then that kind of, I, mean, that I lived that, like I was able to somehow live that. Um, and so, yeah, it was just, and then going through our pregnancy, um, it wasn't always the easiest, but I just was constantly reminded of how like, it's still miraculous to me that we have mm. this little baby. And I thought I went through so much fear that we wouldn't actually get to have him or like hold him and all of those things that people worry about, I guess. <laughs> um, and I just, yeah. And then he is here. He's actually here and it's still just amazing to me. Yeah. How did your disposition or your, your um, just approach, I guess, to the, to the Eucharist, to mass change, um, kind of pre finding out you were pregnant. And even that day that you went to mass, you heard obviously a powerful homily um, and then approaching the Lord. So much thanksgiving. Like I went from being really angry with God um, and just extremely angry all the time. And even as I was receiving the Eucharist, I was still feeling just so angry and lost and forgotten to just being so, so thankful, so thankful. Um, and I think that's kind of why we named him Zachariah. It means God remembers. Mm. And um, now it's like taking him. And I, every week when I go up for communion, I have him <laughs> in my baby carrier. Um, and I receive and I just start praying and praying over him. And I'm just so, so thankful for him. And so I think it's changed in the way of it went from being restorative in the sense of my grief and my anger to also just helping me to be so think like mm -hmm. I don't think it adds to my thankfulness and I just hope for my son to also experience those same things when he's old enough to receive the Eucharist and that it's restorative for him yeah that's beautiful that's beautiful I think it's such a gift that um you know Jesus in the Eucharist meets us in all of that you know in our anger in our grief in our thanksgiving he's you know, he doesn't stop being present to us. And, and you're such a testament to that. And um, you were kind of touching on this, but I, I would love to know a bit more when you look at Zechariah and um, think about what the Eucharist has meant on your own journey. Um, what what are your hopes for him and, and the, the Eucharist in his journey? I'll be happy with whatever his vocation ends up being. Um, but my husband and I joke here and there because he will pick anything around up and hold it up. <laughs> <laughs> and I've just, I have this feeling that he might become a priest. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if that's the case, the Eucharist will mean so much more to him and be so different than like something you and I could experience, right. Leah. Um, and so I really just, my hope for him is that he finds rest in the Lord, mm -hmm. um, that even when he's struggling the same way that his father and I have when it comes to faith or um, if he 
you know, hopefully he doesn't have very many hardships in life, but mm-hmm. when he does have hardships in life that he finds himself going to adoration or finds himself, you know, just really seeking the Eucharist mm-hmm. um, as a whole, as a family, um, my in-laws included, we have really found respite in mm-hmm. the Eucharist. Um, I'd, I'd love to share this. I don't know if it's not yeah. really a part of my story, but um, my mother-in-law passed away in September of 2021. So wow. right after we found out we were pregnant. Um, and right after she passed away, like as soon as, like right after she passed away, um, a, the priest was at the hospital and he was able to go down in the chapel and celebrate mass. And so her children, wow. right after she passed away, all of us and in-laws, and we were all there receiving Eucharist. And like, it was, and so I don't know, it's another, like, it's just restorative. And I know like for my husband and my brother-in-law, in those moments too like it was again restorative for them after such you know mm-hmm. so yeah i just right sidetracking yeah, that but no, it's i a, needed that's to that's a great image it's a great image because um it it's in the eucharist where we all find ourselves we find that common ground if you will mm-hmm. um or we we gather around who it is and what it is that gives us uh, our strength and also unites us and so the eucharist unites us together um, people from many different places and many different uh, walks of life with many different sorrows and many different joys, um, this side of heaven and uh, uniting us with those on, on, in heaven. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just, just thanks for sharing that because I think it's, it's just ultimately what, it, it, it's who we are and what we celebrate every time we, we go to mass. Um, I'm wondering, so you, you work now with women who um, uh, have the cross of infertility. And what, what is the, what's the message of hope that you give mm-hmm. to them? Because I'm, I'm sure, you know, there might be uh, women um, who, who are, are going through a time of, of in, infertility, and maybe it's been for a long time, you know, men who, who suffer with them as well. Um, what's the word of hope that you give to them, those who aren't in the place where you are right now? They're, they still find themselves in that place of anger and despair. So with the Fruitful Hollow, um, our tagline, I guess you could say, is fruitful in the now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're told to be fruitful and multiply, but for couples carrying the cross of infertility, that's not really the case. But you can still be fruitful um, in the way that you live your life, the way that you praise Jesus, the way that you, you know, connect with other people. Um, and so the Fruitful Hollow, um, every week we put out a new resource or a new blog post every Wednesday um, that will hopefully give help um, to these couples that genuinely need it where they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, we put out resources so that way parishes and priests also can help the couples where they are then. Um, I feel like it's something that is very taboo for a lot of couples. They don't want to talk about it with people or they don't feel heard or seen or they don't know how to talk about it. Um, we've put out resources for family members to be able to have these conversations with the couple that's struggling. So we, I think we have a total of 17 resources out. Every week we put out a new blog post. Um, they touch on a multitude of things from you know just adoption support to getting through the holidays. Um, Secondary infertility is another thing, too, that touches a lot of couples where you are able to have a baby and then you're never able to conceive again. Um, and that's hard, especially for you know families that want to have large families. We really have tried to form a sense of community. And that's our one of our editors is in the UK. Um, we have people on our team in Canada, 
and then just across the U.S. Um, and so it's really went from being this small group of women that has now went international, just really trying to meet couples where they are and to let them know that, one, they're not alone, and two, that there's ways to navigate this cross where you are and to also just be fruitful now. Thank you so much for sharing um, your story and your cross and um, just what Jesus has meant to you through it all. It's really been such a gift to hear a bit more and um, and really powerful to see how Jesus is using your story to speak to others and to um, to journey with others carrying the same cross as you. So thank you so much for having me. It's a joy to have you and such a gift to hear your story again. Thank you for listening to the I Am Here podcast. You can read and listen to more stories of people encountering Jesus in the Eucharist at IamHere.org. And we also invite you to share your story with us. I Am Here is a campaign by the Archdiocese of Detroit and Hello App in support of the National Eucharistic Revival.